Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Creatives Ignite. And I am excited to have Nathan Yoder back on the show. So we are doing this series called Where Are They Now? And I talked to Nathan uh, back for the first time in during the first year of, well, maybe the second year of Design Recharge, uh, what the podcast used to be called. So this is like super awesome for me to be able to see um, somebody that is been on the show, featured, loved what they were doing way back in 2013 and 2012 and earlier. But then, and he said yes, and then he came on with Sean Togetsky, who was also a hand letter, and they were working together at Sevenly in 2014. And then in 2016, Nathan came back on, and he was doing a shift, and he was doing more illustration. Still does typography, but um, his illustrations are so awesome. And um, Nathan loves Jesus and I love Jesus. So there's going to be some Jesus talking. There will not be cussing, but if you don't like the word <laughs> Jesus, you might want to just click off and tune in next week. Um, but hopefully not. Um, and just to remind you, I do respond to all the um, the comments down below if you're watching on YouTube or in um, any other platform, just you can always reach out. But and my email is always down below as well. Nathan, give us a little bit because we'll have a little bit more of a faith conversation. We're going to talk about that in our industry. And hopefully I know some of you guys that might be really interesting that came live. So tell everybody, just uh, give them a brief overview of who you are and what you do in case they didn't know who you are. Sure. Uh, yeah, I um, I'm a as Diana kind of mentioned previously, uh, I primarily do illustration these days. Um, uh, in the past, I, I had done a bit more hand lettering. That was kind of what kind of provided me the end to freelance work. Um, but yeah, over the, the last uh, several years, I've been uh, focusing more on illustration work and, uh, and specifically as it relates to line work, uh, you know, pen and ink and um, engraving kind of techniques. Um, in my personal work, I enjoy doing wood engravings. And so I've uh, been enjoying migrating those sorts of techniques into the um, pen and ink work that I do for clients. Um, the stuff that I do for clients isn't a wood engraving, uh, but I'll work on paper or on scratch board to kind of uh, reproduce a similar sort of effect. And um, I guess another sort of notable kind of characteristic of my work is that I, I I try and keep everything kind of within the traditional sphere as much as possible in terms of medium, traditional media uh, on paper, scratchboard, things like that. Um, eventually, of course, everything gets moved to the computer, uh, but I, I try to primarily just limit the computer to kind of touching things up and adding color and preparing it for uh, how the client's going to be using the artwork. But um, but anyways, that's. That's kind of a very general overview of, of uh, my work and my approach. And of course, we can dive into, you know, more of that uh, as we get going here. We will. OK, so I want if somebody doesn't um, uh, oftentimes you studied design, you were from Oklahoma, you moved to California. And that's where I was talking to you, I believe, when you were in California. And then you moved to the uh, Washington state or the Pacific Northwest. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, so um, from that, uh, when you were in Oklahoma and you were studying design, traditionally you studied design, you got a degree in graphic design. 
did you do much printmaking uh, in school or where did you pick up this extra skill? Um, I mean, not in the way that I'm doing it today in terms of uh, letterpress uh, and, you know, wood engraving, things like that. Um, I, I did do some, my, my in to graphic design was actually at a sign shop, you know, where he was, uh, you know, the guy running the shop, um, primarily focused on kind of vinyl signage, but then also screen printing. And so, I mean, that's, you know, printmaking in terms of t-shirts, uh, that was kind of my, my end to graphic design and, and, uh, everything that I'm doing now can even in some ways be traced back to that first, uh, kind of freelance job, job that I had, you know, in, it started in middle school in the eighth grade. And, you know, I <laughs> kept working with that guy through high school. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I was basically creating drawings, you know, making drawings. I, I enjoyed drawing, you know, ever since I can remember. And then he was trying to kind of walk me through how to make those drawings usable, uh, at, and essentially kind of explaining to me what graphic design is all about, as opposed to just drawing a picture, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I, I guess in terms of printmaking specifically through college, you know, I was made aware of, of more of that process. Um, and so I think it was all stuff that was always kind of in the back of my head. And so as I started focusing more on kind of trying to understand, uh, and determine where I want to go with my personal work, I was just trying to kind of recall the things that had kind of caught my interest in the past and uh, things that were drawing my interest, you know, presently. And, and it always kind of came back to uh, pen and ink. And I guess maybe that can even be traced back to, you know, working with a pencil just in black and white. I just think uh, the, the limits of just black and white, um, is a, it's, those are fun constraints to work within. And then to take that one more level, you know, to kind of limit yourself to just a stark you know, white, black line, um, and try and convey textures and tones and things through line work. It's always been a fun challenge. And so of course, all of that, even, um, you can trace back to the, um, the invention of the printing press and, and the limitations of the printing press and, and, and how, you know, in order to reproduce an image on a page, it, it could only be reproduced, uh, you know, printed in black and white. And it also, you know, illustrators were limited to, um, you know, how they could, you know, reproduce an image by cutting that image into a block of wood. And so, of course, uh, you know, there are things like stippling that you can rely on, but really what it came down to is line work, you know, these guys cutting with, um, you know, either knives, you know, in the initial sort of manifestation of printmaking. Um, but then eventually these jeweler tools, uh, jeweler's tools that were used uh, in wood engraving. And so that's, that's more the type of printmaking that I, interests me today and that I try and kind of reproduce in my work is the, uh, the kind of the, the traditional approach to wood engraving. Cool. So there is, um, for people who don't know, I mean, there are tons of different types of printmaking. Wood engraving, I'm probably going to mess this up, but I think I know. So if you're looking at um, like a, a block that was uh, our printmaking professor at where I teach she um uh Nikki Schneider she used to that she would do wood cuts which could just be done on a piece of plywood you know you could do but it's different tools wood engraving is all these pieces sandwiched together and it's this 
really tight the edges of all of it. And so it's usually a little, they're smaller because the wood is um, more premium and um, you're not doing these huge wood engravings. You wouldn't do a big, big piece, but they were used for books or for advertising. And and there were these elements, which I also love. And um, you have these little things back there behind you that when you rest your, um, I think you rest your hand on as you're cutting, right? Those things. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, this, These are... Um, Weights. Uh, well, they're uh, sandbags, leather that you rest the block on as you're working. Okay. And uh, this is just kind of a, a working surface that's kind of raised in order to bring it up a little bit higher to your face. Um, my desk kind of has some of these little pieces that can slide out that I can rest my arms on. But um, but yeah, this is kind of my wood engraving desk over here. And then you can't see it, but in front of me is my drafting table. And um, so this is kind of the fun like work that I do in the evenings. And this is the well, I still think it's fun work that I do during the day. <laughs> so then, so then, scratcher board for people who don't know it, it, you may have seen it at the art store where it's a black and then you carve in and it's white. I know people can make their own scratcher board, but do you buy yours or do you make yours? I know these were not questions on our sheet, and this is not about Jesus. Oh, it's okay. But we're gonna get to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, it's all good. I, I um I I have looked into making my own just because I think uh, it's fun you know trying to kind of uh, I don't know that kind of find your own process in, in uh, making art um, but um but yeah I buy my own and there's actually two different types that you can get you can get the type that is just all black and you scratch away to reveal you know the white underneath and that's the more more traditionally kind of what you're doing when you're engraving into wood um, you're 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 essentially each stroke of your tool is uh, creating a white line as opposed to a black line if you're drawing with a pen. And um, But then you can also buy scratcher board uh, um, that is just white without any ink applied. So you can draw over the top of it with a pen, but then you still have the ability to scratch that away. And uh, so sometimes if you're working on a, on a scene that uh, is not so light, you know, then you might want to start with a, a white surface. Whereas if you're working on a scene that's very dark and you're just cutting away highlights, maybe it's a nighttime scene and, uh, you know, you might want to start with a black, you know, um, piece of scra uh, scraper board. So a couple different approaches there. Yeah. So um, uh, Daniel says he would love to at least experiment with wood block or, uh, and so there's different like wood block and then wood engraving and then like, you know, uh, you can lino cut or whatever. There's lots of different ones, but right. he says he thinks it would be relaxing and fun. Is that something that you also agree with? Is it relaxing and fun to do that for you? Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I think, I mean, you, so wood engraving specifically, uh, just given the fact that you're working on the end grain of a, a block of wood, um, it's very dense there, you know, so you can get just basically but almost an infinite amount of detail in there, uh, especially working with these jewelers tools that are it just allow you to be very precise. Um, you can just get lost in the detail. And, and uh, so I find that really relaxing, but it's also, you know, you're, you're working with these tools in wood. And um, I, I think that also is just so nice. Uh, just, it, it's almost kind of a, uh, it's, it's almost a version of woodworking, you know, you're working in the wood, but, um, 
I think, you know, just growing up building things with my dad and whatever, I mean, it, it's nice to kind of pull in uh, some of that to into my work, you know, not just working on paper, but I'll actually kind of feeling the wood and, and even just feeling the tool going through the wood. It's, it's very uh, th- therapeutic in that way. So um, Maya asked, is it easier to work with wood um, than maybe like a lino or a scratcher board? <clears throat> Do you think it's easier? Um, it is. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, if you're talking to somebody who's doing lino cuts, I'm sure they're going to, of course, have their preferences and everything. But I think for me, uh, the, in my experience with lino cut, it's been a little bit softer, you know, and so you, you've got a little bit, almost more of like a bounce or kind of there's more give and, and every time you're making a stroke. Whereas with wood engraving, the wood is very dense. And so you've got a lot of resistance that you're feeling as you're pushing the tool through. And that allows your, um, uh, almost just creates a very natural kind of, it steadies your stroke, you know, because mm. you've got that resistance. Whereas when you're drawing with a pen, and especially if you've got like a dip pen or something like that, you're having to be very light uh, on the page. So you don't have any sort of resistance to give you any sort of um, stabilization, you know. And so it, it is harder to be a little bit more precise when you're drawing with a pen. That's why sometimes it's a bit tricky to reproduce that exact sort of look that you're getting through uh, the wood engraving uh, medium. Just because, again, it's like if you're looking at old wood engravings, they're just so sharp and clean. I mean, the strokes are just very, very sharp. And that and that's essentially why the medium itself just lends itself to that sort of precision. So when so the last time you were on was 2016, and we talked about illustration and that pivot that you had made um, into, I know it was kind of random. I just went, boom, I'm just moving that's on from the, yeah. um, but I love the wood engraving stuff. Okay, so, but back in 2016, you had pivoted. And, you know, at that point, you're building your business. Um, you're maybe still doing some um, branding work. Do you think now or is your, you know, how do you pitch yourself or, do ha- I don't know if you have an agent or something, but is it more still branding? I know you've done packaging. Some of the promos that I showed that you had sent me were uh, packaging um, brand work still, I think part of in a brand, um, but it was a good bit was packaging related. Is that, I mean, is that, and a lot of it was in, I don't know about Stetson's like a hat, you know, they're not alcohol based, but the others were like cider and wine. And um, so I'm wondering if is is the industry that you're going for more narrow or is it more broad and you're still kind of doing branding or packaging as a broad overview? And I know that was a yeah. whole bunch of questions. Sorry. No, it's all good. I I, I think uh, it, my, the, the whole approach that I've t- taken you know, the past several years, essentially kind of since I've started with freelance work, um, my approach has been to basically put the work out that I want to attract. Um, uh, you know, I guess just kind of being in the, you know, graphic design industry, it being so closely tied to advertising, you just kind of understand the principle of advertising that, you know, it's like if you want a certain sort of thing, you know, put out the appropriate call to action, you know, and I, and I guess, um, that's that's been my approach basically. I I I haven't 
really um, kind of reached out to people directly, kind of asking for specific types of work. I just basically show like, if I'm not getting the work that I want, I'll just basically kind of create a, a, a fake project more or less, you know, kind of like what you're doing in, in school um, to basically show your capabilities, you know? And so if I, if I, if there's a direction I want to go and I just haven't been given that chance yet, then it's like, I just basically, you know, put something together like that. And, and I just kind of pitch it to the world, you know, that's, I guess the beauty of social media is that you can do that. You can just throw it out there and, and, you know, people don't even necessarily have to know that it's a fake project. You know, you just hopefully make it look convincing enough that uh, people are like, great, okay, do that for us, you know? And, and so um, that's, that's been my approach, but in terms of attack, att attracting a specific kind of industry or something like that, um, I, I, I'm not necessarily um, interested in a specific industry, targeting a specific industry as much as I'm just interested in industries that can utilize the, the style of work right. um, and, and kind of the, the, I don't know what you call it. It might sound pretentious, almost like the quality of work that I want to do. I mean, for a time I was, um, I was kind of dabbling in like comic kind of illustrations and things like that. And I was really enjoying it just cause I, I, I you know, I think that kind of style is fun. But it just kind of dawned on me that it was like, you know, well, what am I doing? Like if I'm trying to actually make it as a, as a, as a freelance artist, the money isn't there, you know? And so uh, where it was fun, it wasn't like a viable sort of like career direction, at least for me. And um, so, uh, you know, the stuff that I'm also very excited about is, is this line work and, you know, kind of pen and ink and engraving stuff. And, and if you just walk into a store and look around at where you see that sort of work, uh, very often it's within the food and beverage industry, just because so much of that is still um, kind of harkens back to kind of traditional um, uh, kind of types of scenes. You know, when it comes to food, we don't always necessarily want something that's kind of new and sterile in terms of its modern packaging. Obviously, that's always a thing and it's always out there. But uh, there are certain types of foods that um, have all this history behind them. And, yes. and so that's where it kind of always harkens back to old the old world sort of approach to things and again that's the approach that i enjoy taking to my work is is kind of that old war world message you know where there was a lot more character in the work um and so that's that's basically my approach i'm not necessarily trying to go after um food and beverage a particular industry right. it's just basically where can this work kind of where can my work kind of fill a need or something and, and so that's it's kind of how I handle it. I like that because then that helps us to really look at it instead of being so niche in one thing. It's saying what companies could this help this style reflect their brand better. Do you find right. yourself doing branding work or is it more like packaging or a um, a campaign work? Uh, typically it's a, it's an agency or a studio who's working on a larger rebrand or something like that. Um, who's coming to me to contribute to that larger sort of project. And so, um, you know, in the past I had been focusing a little bit more on branding specifically, but increasingly I'm, I'm more excited to contribute, you know, illustrations to 
either a, a brand or a studio working with a brand, you know, to their larger sort of um, kind of strategy for that that brand. That's cool. Okay. One of my later questions was about collaborating with others. Since you just talked about contributing, I love that a- aspect that you get to be, because sometimes it can be pretty lonely to be a solopreneur. I mean, I know because it feels like this a lot of times, pretty empty room, me yeah. or me and the client. Yeah. And I get real excited because I'm an extrovert. So I'm happy to meet yeah. with other people. <laughs> but so in yeah. when you collaborate, what what elements do you think make up the perfect um, uh, contribution or collaboration for you in a studio? Um, I mean, I think uh, I don't know. I, I guess it just kind of comes down to kind of a, finding a client or somebody who shares. Um, I, I don't know, kind of almost like the uh, the approach to. to uh, the work, you know, that I have, you know, and, and I think that's the other thing that I found so encouraging about this approach that I've been taking to my work, which, you know, it being kind of a more traditional approach is it, when I was working kind of within a, maybe a slightly more trendy space, um, I kind of found it to be hard to, I, it was difficult to kind of ground myself in mm. kind of where I stood but then also in terms of the clientele that I was attracting, um, they also weren't necessarily sure, <laughs> you know, like even where I stood, you know, because I didn't either, you know, it's like we're chasing some sort of a, a mirage, you know, being the trend of like, you know, how are we going to kind of capture, you know, what's hot right now. And so it was always, it wasn't a, a very enjoyable space to live in. And so I, I guess where I'm at now, I, I, you know, focusing on something that is somewhat clearly defined in terms of like the the kind of first principles of art and design, working from that as my footing and um, and also the tradition, you know, that has come before me in terms of all these other artists and um, kind of eras of, of illustration and things like that. Um, it it kind of just attracts a certain type of clientele who also appreciates that. So it yeah. feels like it we're able to be more collaborative in that way where it's like we're kind of joining forces within a very clearly defined sort of line of uh i, don't know, I almost wanted to say reasoning but it's awesome if we're you know we're making illustrations making artwork i don't well, know if that answers the question yeah, so, yeah that does so they're really giving you the space to do what you do best and you're giving them options and saying, you know, here's some styles, which one do you kind of, uh, are you going with? Or maybe it just, it sounds like they're letting you do what you do great. And then they're also, they value the time and the approach that you take. And then they have an approach that they're taking. And it's very similar to how they, they appreciate what you can do and you appreciate direction and guidance and clear communication probably from them to give them what they want yeah yeah well and and that really is key i mean because i think initially when i first got into freelance i i really did you know sadly kind of look at myself as kind of the expert and and i kind of carried myself in that way where a client would come to me and i was like okay they, they came to me to get this done whatever it is 
And so once they started speaking into the artwork, it's, I got, I was tempted. I very often got very defensive, you know, I was like, well, Hey, like now you're trying to kind of be a backseat driver here. Like what's going on. It's like, and that's just the, it's just the complete wrong attitude to have. I, I guess I, I, once I was able to kind of drop that mentality and basically say, Hey, like I'm here to partner with this person. Mm. It's, it's, it's not, or this client, I, this isn't like a, the me show, you know, <laughs> where I just, you know, they came to me and because <laughs> I think that that's very much a sort of attitude within the industry. It's like this kind of uh, graphic designer or illustrator celebrity mentality where, you know, and, and we've seen characters like that within the industry where, you know, they are kind of put on this pedestal and we hear about their process and how they only give their clients one option and this is the direction you're going to go and everybody bows to their you know expertise and and you know very very many of those people they they knew what they were doing and 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 the clients were actually wise to go in the directions that they were proposing but but so what comes with so much of that is just such a an egocentric kind of mentality that just squashes true collaboration and and the thing that i've found mm. um as I, as I kind of dropped that mentality is that the work became so much more enjoyable. Like I, I was often very grumpy all through a, all through a collaboration with a client because I was constantly like white knuckling the project, trying to get my way. And I was very unhappy if things weren't going my way. Whereas today, you know, when, you know, the creative brief you get at the very beginning of a project is no different than the feedback you get in the middle of the project where the client is asking for something that is hopefully steering you more in the direction of what their original intent or, or kind of direction was. And so rather than getting all upset, you know, I, I tried to take that feedback wherever it's coming in the phase of the project and make it my, my objective as well. It's like, okay, the client needs this to change rather than getting grumpy and thinking, oh, this is ruining the whole project. I'm like, okay, I need to think creatively about how to, how to, uh, integrate this feedback into what we've created so far. And that's my job to do it in a creative way. That's also attractive. And that is, is going to be serving, uh, you know, their ultimate end and purpose. And so, um, anyways, again, I, I don't know if that exactly no, that answered was, the initial that, question, but that was awesome, and I love. So I think this is a good segue, and you're going to be like, "How did you get to there?" But me and you <laughs> had talked about this last week. Um, we talked about how our faith can play a role in when we are just trying to always going after those trends. It can be, and you just said it can be very ego. Um, I know what I'm doing. Client, you are in the dark, you know, like do, you hired me for a reason, you know, and there yeah. is a lot and not saying that we just bend like a, um, I don't know, a, you know, a palm tree, you know, has to be able to bend, but it's a very strong tree. Those trees are still standing after a hurricane, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's like, where does that, maybe there was a element or maybe you just had some self-reflection or maybe it was like hey this isn't this isn't jesus like i need to this isn't an attitude that i want to go forward with what happened mm -hmm. or when did that come about when you kind of said hey you know i'm gonna instead of just chasing something i'm gonna figure out who i am and then was there maybe an element where you 
we're like, I don't like being miserable and being mad or being whatever. And can you tell us about either of those both two different things or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it ultimately is all kind of one uh, kind of, you know, a conversation we had had previously is that, you know, it's, it's hard for me to kind of talk about my work and my approach to my work for very long before bringing up kind of the underlying foundation of my life and work, just because that's, that's the kind of the fountainhead out of which everything else comes, you know, uh, you know, building a house or whatever. It's like, you know, you're building on top of a, of a foundation and that the structure of your house, you know, how it is determined by whatever that foundation is, you know, the landscape around it or whatever. And, 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 uh, and so that's, that's, you know, again, and, and the approach I take to my work, um, I'm, I'm constantly referencing, you know, what I believe, you know, that, uh, being a Christian and, 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 uh, that shapes my entire worldview. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, and, and hopefully a part of being a Christian is constantly, you know, assessing your life <laughs> according to scripture and, and what God has, has revealed in his word. And so, um, I think as I was, uh, getting deeper and deeper into, uh, you know, kind of the creative industry, but also into, um, considering where I wanted to go with my work, you know, I think I got to this point where it was almost like a crossroads where I was like, okay, if I keep going in the direction that I'm going, uh, can I say honestly that I'm following kind of the, the biblical kind of mandate, you know, the, the kind of the ethic laid out for me in scripture. And, and I guess, um, that's where, you know, I, I had to kind of take a step back and, and kind of be like, no, you know, I, I'm not, you know, kind of having that egocentric kind of approach to my work that says, you know, my way is the right way, you know, cuts explicitly against, you know, passages like in Philippians where it says, you know, out of humility, consider the needs of others as greater than your own. And so it's like, that's think passages like that are the foundation for my approach to my work in the way that I just laid out. I mean, that that's the reason why I work in that way. You know, it's, um, it's not my will be done. It's thy will be done. You know, the Lord's will be done. So, so yeah, that's, that, that was at least kind of the more or less the thought process, but behind that sort of a shift. When you made that shift, and, and a lot of this is in your business, this isn't necessarily you're drawing differently, you know, it's about in that, and there is so much of what we do has to do with not what we're doing on paper, it's how we conduct ourselves with our clients, it's that we're giving them space and time and that we're listening to hear what their needs are, because often they, people have a hard time, we have a hard time communicating we just feel it's wrong. I've said this, like it, ha you have to be very clear and you have to be a, someone who can take the feedback and not get upset. I always feel like Jesus wouldn't, wouldn't have um, gotten upset to um, be uh, given feedback, right? And I, I, I mean, I feel like he, when he was he was like talking about the children now you're really much better about knowing all your verses better i need to work on that but but yeah. um when he was like no don't put these children aside this is where we need to we need to pour into the children so he just had a different perspective from what the world would 
was thinking that was important, right? The the disciples were like, ah, push those kids away or something. And he's like, whoa, buddy, this isn't what we're supposed to be doing. And I feel like in a way yeah. that client is supposed to be where we're pouring into and it isn't ego driven, which I think is, there's something different about um, ego and then also being confident. And I know this wasn't one of our questions, but is that something you could address? Yeah. No, I mean, I was even just talking to somebody recently who who's also a believer, but they were kind of arguing um, almost against kind of a mentality that kind of says that that's constantly kind of um, lowering yourself, you know, uh, kind of humbling yourself more or less. I mean, they probably wouldn't put it that way, but um, basically arguing that, you know, in Christ, you know, we're a new creature. And so there should be all this confidence and joy and, and uh, you know, and, and of course I believe that, but I, and I, and I think their other argument was that if we're constantly humbling ourselves, we're going to, it's going to have a, um, uh, kind of a, an ill effect on our work, almost kind of like you're saying, it's like, you're kind of, you're cutting down your confidence so that your work won't be as strong. And, and I, and I think I, I kind of get what they're saying, but I think, um, I think a real biblical kind of approach to this um to the gospel uh gives you both true humility but also uh, all this confidence uh, but in the right sort of way and and I'll, I'll explain that by saying you know in in christ you know the, the whole point of the gospel is to recognize that i'm i am a sinner in need of the grace of god uh you know for my salvation to be free of of my sin and um and so that's humility to say uh, Lord, be gracious to me, a sinner, you know, you're, and, and this isn't, you know, just me comparing myself to some human standard of sin or, you know, doing things the wrong way. This is, this is, you know, you read scripture about even the holiest people that we can find in scripture coming into the presence of God and falling on their face. You know, this is, uh, <laughs> this is human depravity and, and just kind of our human nature being confronted with a pure, righteous, and holy God. And that just naturally is going to humble you. At the same time, we recognize what Christ did for us, what Christ did for me on the cross. You know, he, he came and, and took the form of a man and died so that I can be alive in Christ and set free from my sins. And what confidence, you know, comes from that? It's a wonderful thing. And so it's like the gospel gives both true humility, but also the, all this confidence. And, and so, of course, you know, we've all experienced Christians who, who, uh, who are prideful and kind of are, are kind of carrying around that sort of pharisaical uh, uh, kind of attitude. And so, you know, that's where you see somebody who is neglecting um, uh, to see, to, to put themselves in true sort of contrast with the holiness of God. You know, okay, you're you've forgotten that part of it. But then you've also met Christians who are so just like down on themselves, basically constantly just like, um, almost like the monks of the past, you know, just like whipping themselves and scourging themselves and causing themselves all this pain in order to kind to give pit, uh, penance to God for their sins. And it's like, no, you don't have to do that. Christ did that for you. You know, <laughs> he's, he's died for you. So, it, you know, it, both things have to be um, uh, you know, considered and, uh, and lived with, you know, but, you know, recognizing who you are in the face of a holy God, that 
granting you, giving you true humility, but then also meditating on what Christ has done for me and then that creating confidence. And so, so yes, I can, I can go into the world and engage with clients and say, Hey, you know, because I know who I am in Christ, I'm not trying to garner my sort of sense of self-worth from mm. a client's approval of me and my work. I've, I've already got that in God, you know, kind of like a child having all this confidence because they know their parent loves them. That's what a Christian has in Christ while at the same time being humble and saying, you know, hey, because I'm loved by God, because my identity is sure and secure in him, I can uh, humble myself to your needs right now. How can I help you? And, and mm. I'm not going to be offended if you criticize my work in any way. You know, I'm going to try and understand where you're coming from and uh, and adjust my tactics to, you know, hopefully better serve your needs. So, yeah. That was an awesome explanation. I think humble, I, I think a, a lot of, uh, I have struggled with either talking down about myself or um, maybe having, I know I've had some conversations and I'm like, oh, I thought they meant that and that wasn't what they meant. And I'm like, oh, you yeah. know, it was just like, because I, I was coming across as I was trying to be confident and I do think I'm confident. I do, but I do think that there's a real struggle in um, a lot of people who are, uh, Christians who are trying to um, understand what that between the confidence and then humility. So I, th I think you yeah. explained that great. So let's go into you getting that, um, just the calling. Your, uh, um, does your faith in your calling play a role in your ability to market yourself? Because this also has to do with what we were just talking about. You're like, me, 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 the me show. It's the social media show, right? Yeah. The me. And yeah. so there is a lot of um, maybe battle internally for for you or for any uh, anybody who has struggles with that, how much social media. You, you are a business owner. You have three kids and a wife. You have a house. You may have animals. I have no idea, right? But there are people that are relying on you. And then now it kind of goes against it when you have to go and just self-promote, self-promote, self-promote. Can you talk uh -huh. a little bit about this and how, where your faith comes in and the role? Uh, anyway, the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's something that I'm always thinking about and, and I've been thinking about more and more over the past several years, you know, um, just because like as you described it i i just i don't i don't like it like at all you know from like from just from like a i there are so many blessings that come with so social media just in terms of how how any any individual out there is able to share their work with the masses and and thereby attract work and and that's a wonderful thing you know at but along with that comes all, all kinds of other baggage you know um i think the um the problem there <laughs> i guess is you know with with just i guess self-promotion in general it's like i would i would much rather somebody see value in my work and share it 
uh, with somebody else. And in the, and in the, in the past, um, that is how, um, you know, the, the, the role that a publisher filled, you know, you'd basically submit your work to the publisher. They would look at the work and say, Hey, either you need to do a little bit more work here. I think you, I think you could do more, come back to us in, in a time and, and we'll see where you're at. Uh, or, you know, they look at your work and they're like, Hey, this, we think this is great. It's worthy of publication. We're going to share your work. So something about that whole dynamic, um, kind of allowed for a certain amount of humility, you know, and it kind of humbled the artist and maybe and kind of good and bad ways they can be discouraging if you're constantly being rejected but in another sense you know you were you were still recognizing some sort of a, an authority albeit an earthly authority higher than yourself whereas today the the temptation that is always there with social media is to say i'm i'm the the, the arbiter of what is good and beautiful here <laughs> i'm i'm kind of sharing my work with everybody and so I get to say what's what's good here, and and just the way that social media is even made, uh, you know, the, just kind of the foundational kind of aspects of social media, um, like there's a certain amount of vanity that's just baked into it, you know. Just by sharing something on my account, there's almost just like an implicit sort of, um, I don't know what you call it, like. Uh, kind of pride baked into it that like, Hey, I think this is worthy of, of everybody's attention. And so I don't know, it's like, you could probably overthink this to death, but, um, <laughs> yes. I think w there, there's, there's, there's no denying at this point that social media, uh, stokes pride and vanity. <laughs> we all see that. And we also see like the, the ill effects that that's having on us, like even just psychologically, just the world and the culture. And uh, so that's something that I'm very sensitive to and that I'm always trying to mitigate and try and find the ways of, of sharing my work online in a way that is helpful to potential clients like, hey, here's my work, but also, um, uh, you know, not also kind of uh, being, you know, prideful and, uh, you know, kind of causing myself to stumble in, in, in the sense of thinking more highly of myself than than I ought, you know. Um, so anyways, I, it, it's, a, it's a hard one to wrap my head around. It is. It's hard. And I think that people will take, I mean, I am just so thankful that I didn't grow up with social media because yeah. I think that would have been so difficult. I was so, I still am, so awkward that, you know, kids would have just t tore me apart. And yeah. so I'm really thankful. But there, so there's... um but we can especially when we're learning and we're trying to get work if we knew that there were these arbit arbiters of it was an authority uh, a worldly authority as you said but whether it's a agent or a, a magazine or a, a publishing house or something who was kind of taking these and then marketing for these people or saying hey uh, you're not quite there yet. Send me stuff in a year. And you're like, what am I going to do for a year to make money? But at that <laughs> point, people would still be working on their craft and they would take that rejection as, OK, I'm going to continue. They wouldn't keep sending the same work out. Um, again, you do have to send some of the same work because it might not be good for this 
you know, yeah. authority, but it's really good for this authority. So it's it yeah. works out. So it's not. But if you're trying to send the same authority, the same piece of work that you've done nothing to and not improved upon, then you haven't grown. And if that was a authority that you really wanted to, um, I don't know, em- you wanted to be embraced by. And I think that for me, social media can be hard if I come at it with, oh, did I get how many people like this? How many, you know, and yes, obviously when we're marketing for our clients and we're marketing, those are the metrics. But I always have had a really warped sense, even for this this podcast or web show or whatever we call it this week. Um, I just think if somebody showed up live, so thank you guys all for showing up live. If somebody besides my guest showed up live, then it's a win. And I, uh, those are the things that I always, then that it's mattering for those people. And okay. whether there were, three people or 56 people it didn't matter to me i thought it was great that i had 56 people you know but Uh i'm happy with with the people that showed up and i do feel like that is a um that's the way jesus would want me to be i think in just like hey you serve who's right in front of you and you um and and amy says it's always more fun to join live. I think it is because you get to be a part of that conversation. It's yeah. important for me to read what y'all are writing as we come, and I try try to figure out where y'all are popping in from and and say hey to you. But yeah, it is a battle, and I think that you do have to be consistent in posting um, or being visible. I have also taken some time at off of certain platforms and i really i i'm not sure i'm not sure i know what where i'm supposed to be but i know that if i don't do something to tell people about what i'm doing then how can i ever be reaching more people then i think about the the um the story about the talents which always bothers me because it's like talent and then talents it's like coins this one you know these people were given these coins and some people went and made you know, they invested it and did other things. And this one person just dug a hole and put the coin in. And they were, well, at least I kept track of this this coin. And I do feel yeah. like there's some of this that comes into play. Like God's given you this great skill. And I think he wants to use you and he wants you to love on clients in a certain way. But it's just as much you loving on them as it is this awesome work that you get to do as well. So to me, it's like, this twofold. It's not just the work that Nathan you can do. It's also the way you work, the way you talk, the way you love on your clients. And I think yeah. that we just have to, I don't know, spur each other on to and encourage each other to, if we haven't seen something, we just need, because, hey, it's mattering to somebody. The next client might not see you except on social media, but it is a battle. And I think we just yeah. have to take time off when when we need time off. What do you think about taking time off from social media? Yeah, I I mean I I'm I'm a proponent of that to the point of exiting social media altogether. <laughs> you know, it's like I I think the I don't know the um, the thing that I find frustrating, I guess, in some ways is. 
I, I would not choose social media as my means of attracting work if I was given other options. I just, I don't agree with the, the whole kind of approach and I don't agree and I don't, I, I'm not a fan of what it does to people, me being one of those people. Um, right. I just, I, I don't think it's good, like how we can be so manipulated even, you know, even just unconsciously, you know, by either what other people are sharing or whatever the powers that be are sharing. Um, I don't think it's good for like critical thinking and actually sitting mm. with, with something that you're being confronted with and thinking through it rather than just passionately like reacting, being taking such a reactional approach to every world issue. And and so I think where whereas it is doing a lot of good, I think you have to set that aside and consider, you know, the the ill the ills that have come from it. And um I think and you know Obviously, the argument is always, well, if you get off social media, you know, you're not going to have work anymore. And I'm like, okay, but at the same time, just about anybody you talk to will talk to you for a long time about the ill effects that social media has had on their life. I'm like, can we not then invent another way? And, and can we not stop and consider the fact that there have been other ways in the past that we've walked away from? Like, maybe we should return to some of those ways. But to return to anything in our modern day, you know, culture is almost sacrilege, you know, it's like to go backwards, like, why would we yeah. go backwards? And, and I think, but, but I think it's worth considering. And, and I think for me, I'm, I'm thankfully, you know, I'm, I'm so, I'm so thankful that word of mouth is starting to work for me now. And so I don't have to rely on social media as much. And, um, because again, um, that's social media is really kind of the only reason I'm on there is to, is uh, for the sake of uh, of attracting work um, for for my business, you know, and and of course, you know, somebody might hear that and be like, oh, like how selfish of you just to share work and and uh, and. But I think the other sort of expectation that has come with social media is that you have this incredible sort of sphere of kind of uh, kind of circle of friends and acquaintances, um, but. Uh, that that there's this impulse to always kind of keep up with, but um, yeah, I don't know. I even those uh, you can only keep up with so many people, and and you can only keep up with so many people to a meaningful kind of extent, yes. uh, you know, depth, yep. you know, yep. and uh, you know, I I think, and maybe it's also the phase of life that I'm in. I just am so much more encouraged and built up by the people that I see face to face and that I interact with on a daily basis and on a weekly basis, you know, at church or whatever. I'm so much more encouraged by those people and those communities than I am with a community that is just inherently superficial. Um, I hate to say it, you know, as, as social media. And so it is a very, it can be a very um, powerful tool. Um, but I think in the ways that so many of us are tempted to try and use social media, it's not a good replacement for those more effective tools and uh, modes of uh, communicating with people. You know, yeah. D says I don't think it's selfish to make a living using social media as just advertising. But she said earlier, she said I don't get my work, most of my work from social media, or I don't get my work from social media. It comes mostly from putting myself out there and networking. And that's exactly what you're mm. saying with people. And I think for me, um, I mean, I live like 
in the, I mean, in the middle of a whole bunch of fields. So there's not, I yeah. mean, uh, a lot of networking that's going on um, yeah. in in my city, but I've still been able to make real friendships with people and then been able to get work from some of those things or like going to Creative yeah. South. I know we got to meet at Creative South one year a long time ago and um, uh, Brian White I met at Creative South um, who was here earlier. And I think Drew Posa, uh, uh, he, I met him um, at Creative South, and but I'd seen his work because he'd done a tons of work for um, a church that I can't think of what the name is, um, does a tons of their children's stuff. And I just think that it is, it is really, it is important to have real relationships. I do think you can start um, mm-hmm. having those um uh, I think you get interested maybe in somebody on social media, but if you don't ever take it from to a conversation like what we're having, then you're never uh-huh. having, even though we're not sitting right next to each other, we're face to face virtually, but we're still able to have a real conversation. And it's about having those things with clients, with right. regular people. I've had people who've asked me there. I was like, well, hey, do you want to meet up on Zoom, uh, do a you know, a talk, a chat on Zoom, and they're like, "What for?" And I'm like, yeah. "To be friends." The yeah. <laughs> oh, like that was yeah. it. Um, Saddleback. Yeah. That's right, Drew. Sorry about that. Um, but it, it's like you do have to put yourself out there, and I think it's it's easier to just say, "Hey, I'm just going to put myself out there on social media and just put this work," but then they miss the joy of getting to know you, Nathan, because there mm-hmm. isn't that conversation. And it isn't just, you aren't just the work. And I think that that's part of, that that's the part where your faith comes in and your your relationship of who you know God wants you to be. And that is always changing. We're growing. We are always finding new things that we can um, explore new things that he's put in our path, new people we can love on, and also things that we can work on, right? It's not mm-hmm. like we're all perfect or anything, but no. ha- not at all. And we're here at the end, and I um, wanted to make sure. So um, have we'll do these sort of lightning rounds. I don't know if we can really do these lightning rounds, but we're going to yeah. try. Um, do you ever feel isolated in our industry because you're a Christian? Um, I mean, I think just by the nature of things, yes, but I, it just given the fact that our, our industry is just inherently kind of materialistic, I think it tends to kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know, I guess I, I want to be careful, I, it, it Whereas a Christian, it's like they're, 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 a Christian's perspective and worldview is always on eternal things. So much of our industry is focused on promoting the schemes of man, you know, and like uh, the things that he has made. And because I had even thought about this previously after our conversation, I was like, you know, it, just about any like fine artist that you meet whose work depicts in some way uh, nature, you know, wildlife or even portraits or whatever. It's, it's hard not to find an artist that's depicting those things, essentially the works of God depicting his creation and beauty. It's hard not to find an artist who doesn't, on some level, recognize a spiritual reality, even if they're not a Christian. Whereas within the design industry, um, it, it just seems like just about every other designer you meet 
it, it's hard to find, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, on average, it seems like it's more of a nihilistic sort of character, somebody who is either, um, uh, what's the terms? Anyways. I don't know what nihilistic means. Uh, it, basically, all is meaningless and kind of pointless, <laughs> and there's no like kind of ultimate purpose in life, you know. Uh, um, and so I don't know, but I but I think that there's some sort of correlation there between within the design industry where we're constantly focusing on the schemes of man and pr- pr- promoting the the material aspects of life, whereas you know uh, traditionally kind of fine artists were constantly kind of being inspired by nature and essentially you know again the works of god it's like it's hard to not go to a national park or experience some natural sort of wonder and 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 stop and think just look at the night sky and the universe and be like man like be impressed by some sense of like the divine nature that you know sparked all of this um and so i think um I don't know, I could kind of rabbit trailed there, but I think in some ways, you know, within the design industry, it makes sense why you wouldn't find as many Christians, you know, <laughs> or even people who believe in God, just even just starting there, just because it seems like it kind of breeds a sort of uh, atheism that it's like man is more important than God, you know, just mm-hmm. because that's what I spend all day promoting, you know, it's uh, the works of man. And so that's... Uh, that's something that I even wrestle with just being in this industry, you know, it's like trying not to get too wrapped up in all of that. But, but yeah, you know, again, that just by the nature of things, just by even just the statistics, I, I might, I, I feel a little bit lonely sometimes as a Christian within the industry that I exhibit, but I also try not to think about it too much. And, and because it's not that important, ultimately, you know, it, it doesn't really matter if um, my industry is predominantly Christian or not in the sense that, I'm going to carry myself in the same way regardless, and I'm not going to carry around a sort of like, um, uh, I don't know, kind of grievance complex, you know, like, uh, you know, people should pity me for being uh, a solo. <laughs> right. I think, I think in, for me, I have, um, there, ha- there were have been times where I have felt like, oh man, I'm the only person in the room that loves Jesus. And if yeah. I say that, they're going to be like, it'll be like the witch hunt, you know, they'll be like, you know, black letter her and get her out of here sort of, you know, but I haven't actually found that to be true because I haven't, I, I just tell people I love Jesus. Um, and they seem to be okay with that. They may not also love Jesus, but that's okay. Um, and so I just, I think, but it has, before I was okay sharing that it can be very, isolating i think um and and it can feel pretty lonely because it is um it's not in the arts i think in general you're not um surrounded by it's not predominantly um um maybe uh, maybe that's a generalization but i i have i would say in you know in the areas that i've been around there in working in academia it's not very uh not many people are christians there so but i think that when you get down to the brass tacks of it it's having conversations and being willing to even if we don't agree that we have conversations and i think that's you know that that's what we're supposed to do we're supposed to be the light to the light of the world right right um so I wanted to ask you this because this kind of leads into my next week's guest. Um, 
and her and I are going to talk a lot about this, but I kind of wanted to see, and this was one of the questions on the thing. So we'll try to lightning this one. Um, but is there, uh, coming up with new ideas, is there anything that you do? Because you're working very traditionally, and a lot of the things are nature-inspired. What is some of the first steps for you when you're trying to come up with new ideas? Um, I think uh, part of it is really trying to make sure that, you know, because typically, I guess, I guess there's two approaches here. Like if we're considering a client project versus a personal project, because, you know, I, those two, they're problems associated with both the, you know, <laughs> with a client, I always try to make sure that I'm starting with a, a, a good idea of, of what the client is after, because that, if I can collect that information, if I can get a good sense that I'm on the same page with the client, um, that gives me a lot of the fuel that I need for a creative idea, you know, just because I can start to, you know, problem solve in that direction. You know, it's like, okay, like what is the what is the message and what is the general sort of mood or feeling, you know, that this client's trying to convey. So then you just kind of brainstorm around those things. Um, and, uh, within personal work, it's, it's a bit more difficult just because I think, um, in many ways, the easy thing about client work is that you're being handed the objective. Whereas with, with personal work, that's all on you. It's like, you have to come to it. To, to an understanding of, of what you want, you know, and what you want to say and what you want to convey. And, um, and I find that difficult sometimes. I, I, you know, some people I, I see, they can just spit out all kinds of work and it can be very abstract and all over the place. I, I need to have some sort of a, 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 a clear idea or a message to convey through whatever I'm working on. And, um, uh, so that could be a challenge. So I think within the personal work, that's that's the verdict is still out in terms of giving uh, helpful advice. <laughs> you think but you, I, I think just starting is a good place and so just do you, working. Do you think you start with like brainstorms or word lists, and, and you need kind of that message in in verbal form for you to move forward? Yeah, I I think so. Uh, I think it it helps because a lot of times with a client, you know, I'll try to have them include in their brief some sort of like a you know, a story, you know, kind of put their, whatever the, the thing is that they're trying to convey in like a story form, you know, this is what we're trying to achieve and, and who we're trying to reach and all this. And, um, and that helps because an illustration is essentially like a visual, visual storytelling, you know, it's like, rather than just depicting something that's in front of you, um, and whatever impression comes out of that being, left up to the viewer, um, an illustrator has a very clear objective to con convey a very specific message, you know? And, um, so yeah, I, I think things like word lists and uh, things like that, keywords can really help kind of narrow things down and, and get you going in the right direction. Okay. So next, and I guess second to last question is what's one piece of advice that you would give the Nathan from 2013? <laughs> Um, I think, uh, I don't know, I, I guess maybe just to try and, you know, it's easier said than done when you're considering, you know, a younger version of yourself and just adolescence and how, 
how kind of vulnerable you are in those kind of, <laughs> and even just like shortly after adolescence, you know, it's just how, how impressionable you are and how much you want to impress others and make sure you're being, um, admired by others. Um, obviously, you know, that, that you struggle with things like that more at, during that season of life than later. Um, and almost unavoidably just, that's just kind of where you are in life. But that would kind of be my thing is just try and convince myself not to be so influenced by other people's, you know, perception of, of you, of me talking mm. to myself back then. And, um, and again, I, I guess that's where as a Christian, you know, kind of pointing me again, talking to myself in the past, pointing myself back to, to God's word and, and, what he has said about himself, but also about me and who I am in Christ and what he's done for me. Uh, really trying to get that through my, you know, thick skull and so that I wouldn't be so, uh, you know, painfully self-conscious all the time. Mm. That would be hopefully helpful to me. That's then. a great, <laughs> that, that's great. That's a great advice for early. And because I do think we do care. We care about what other people think. It's not what we're supposed to care but it just happens, so it's just this constant, but can you imagine if you were telling yourself this, you would be like, oh, he looks like he's doing okay, you know? Like, <laughs> I just need to just not worry so much, and I do, I, I I, think that. So then, what is next? That's the last question. We had plenty of more, but I knew we wouldn't, but we had a great conversation, and I'm yeah. really glad. So so what would be, what's next for you? What, what are you hoping to do next? Um, I mean, my my wife and I we've we've talked about ever since we first met um, someday doing children's books. So we think that would just be so fun. And it, it seems like you know it's almost cliche when you talk to an illustrator. That's like what everybody wants to do. <laughs> but you know my my wife uh, she uh, before our kids came, came along um, she was a um, elementary school teacher. She taught uh, like second third grade, and um, and so of course that's just kind of she's just really good about uh just obviously teaching but um you know kind of just telling a story and and so but she's also she she really enjoys drawing and doing watercolors and things like that and so um so we've talked about collaborating in that way you know where i think she could she could write a children's story much better than me but then kind of also joining the forces on the illustrations because her work she just has such a a great sort of personality in her work but a lot of times she she kind of struggles with kind of uh, fleshing out those drawings, and so we've thought about uh, how it would be fun to almost have her do the initial sketches, and then I come in and kind of maybe kind of put some of the finishing touches on things, and maybe kind of shore up the perspective and the proportions, and <laughs> you know, I just I think that would be fun. So, uh, but beyond that, I, I would love to do more with um, wood engraving. And uh, I not too long ago, I actually bought a letterpress machine, which I haven't uh, had a chance to even touch uh, <laughs> since. So I would love to do more with letterpress and my wood engravings. And um, uh, but yeah, beyond that, I guess just um, just continuing to grow. Hopefully, I think that's the thing I've found over the years that really truly keeps me excited. It's not necessarily about jumping to this or that trend, kind of like what we've talked about, but it's just about growing. And, and I think that's the thing that makes your early years so exciting is the fact that you're learning and growing. And so much of burnout, I think, and stagnation mm. uh, comes from just stop, you know, 
making up excuses for not learning anymore, you know? And, and I think, uh, that's the, that's the thing that's exciting about, um, I don't know, life when you're engaged, when you're learning. I mean, even just uh, my wife and I having kids, it's like, that's a whole new sort of challenge. It, it just keeps things exciting when you're having <laughs> to learn. And, and, uh, so that's the thing I, I, I'm constantly trying to research, uh, you know, my work, wood engraving, especially lately, but then how I can improve in terms of line work, reading books and things like that. Um, that helps me sort of maintain that excitement. So, um, so yeah, hopefully also just getting better at the work that I'm doing today would be what's next. That's great. I love that. Well, I just want to make sure that you guys know how to follow. And Jen says, after seeing your work for the first time today, that sounds like it would be amazing. And Drew said, your work is super amazing up there earlier. So you got a lots of praises if you haven't seen Nathan's work, you can go to yonderstudio.com, Y-O-N-D-R studio, like normal, dot com. And then if you want to, and the links are right at the top of both YouTube and if you're looking at it on your podcast, his links are at the top. Mine are below that, but his links are right at the top. Um, and then on Instagram, it's just Instagram.com slash Nathan Yoder, Y-O-D-E-R. Anyway, Nathan, it's always good. We had a great, I think we had a great conversation. Oh, and yeah. I, it's just nice to be able to talk about all these things and really we're maybe not giving direct exact answers because we're right in the middle of it. But sometimes it's just nice to talk to somebody in the mud hole with you, you know, yeah. like um, we're right here. We're trying, we're trying to get out or we're working on it, but we're just being, uh, the pastor came in um, at the, my, this is my parents' church. And he was like, do you, are you going to do a virtual background or something, Diane? And I was like, nope, I'm going to leave it authentic. This is what I did <laughs> last week. I'm good with this. This is fine to me. I'm thankful that the church lets me come and use their internet every Wednesday for a yeah. while, you know? <laughs> Um, anyway, to me, it's just, um, it's just really nice. And I've just really enjoyed our conversation and I always do. And I'm always praying for you, Nathan, and just helping you to everybody just to move forward. Hopefully this was helpful today and just thanks for coming. And thank you, Nathan, for giving us lots of, uh, good answers and advice and just honest, um, thoughts on, on life and working yeah well yeah thanks for having me on and uh yeah i always enjoy the conversations i mean i, I could i could do another couple hours i feel like that so many of the things we touched on i feel like we're just like the the outline i'm like okay we need to get into more of it <laughs> yeah well maybe we'll have but, to do that i i would love to yeah. do that um and barry says great conversation loving your work nathan i knew you would barry you would love his stuff so mm. thank you um, Anyway, I will see you guys all next week. And we have Brandy C on, and she's going to be talking to us about um, where maybe we should go in the beginning of that creative process. And she gets pretty passionate about it. Um, so anyway, I think she's going to talk a little bit about her faith as well because uh, she goes, but she is super passionate about not just going straight to Pinterest. So that was one reason I wanted to kind of I figured you were, you know, not going, but he did the Stetson beaver. Uh, if you guys look at that one, that one's like, because I love beavers. And so I loved <laughs> that beaver drawing that you did. So anyway, Nathan, Thanks. thank you. And everybody, I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>